Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. We host founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benito. And today with me, somebody who is doing great work for veterans everywhere. I'll let him tell his story about who he is, what he does now, how he's related to the street cop community. But none other than a New England patriot, per se, in the actual living flesh, Kurt Power. What's up, dude? Appreciate you being here, man. Hey, listen, it's a real pleasure to be here, to say the least. So uh, excited to be here. A um, little bit of my bio. I'm a police officer. I've been a police officer for 14 years. I was in the Army before that. Fought overseas in Iraq. I've been with the transit police for about 14 years. In the last seven, I've been with the Boston Police Gang Unit. And uh, I love it, you know, out there working with some of the, uh, some amazing cops. And it's, you know, it never gets old. I mean, gang, I'm, gang, like, gang. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah, great reference. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a guy that still loves the job, man. Still out there, you know, doing my thing. I'm getting up there, you know, I'm 39, but doing everything I can to keep up with these young bucks for sure. You look young for 39, dude. I appreciate it. You know, I just, you know, like in this line of work, like you have to stay active and you have to stay fit. And you got to keep grinding because I said like, you know what, if you can't catch these dudes, well, then you're not good to anyone. If you're still out there doing it, you know? So um, just want to be an asset as long as I can. And I, I think that's the name of the game. Like, just if keep you're not grinding. an asset, what are you? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're fucking useless. You know, you're a, so, well, you're a liability for sure. At the, at the end of the day, I just think like, there's always someone better out there and you always got to train for them. Right. And, uh, I always say like hope, right? Like, like all of us, like hope for the best and prepare for the worst. You know, I take a lot of that from my experiences overseas for sure. Tell me about your military career. Okay. So, um, going way back cause I'm an old man now, but I joined the army after nine 11. I, uh, I fought on the ground in Aramadi, Iraq in 2005 and 2006. I fought in the battle of Ramadi in 2006 was some of the heaviest combat of the war. I, um, I actually got the side of my chest blown out on a reconnaissance mission by a sniper back in October 10, 2005. Refused my medevac out of country and continued to fight for eight more months. I tell people for something that like can be pretty heavy. I said like, you know what? Like I've never taken another day for granted in my life. And I, you know, I think, um, I think a lot of us in the Purple Heart community have that perspective. You know, we owe it to the guys that didn't make it to not only live life to the fullest, but do what we can to make the world a better place. And after getting out, I, I got, like I said, shot pretty good. Um, have a 11 piece of shrapnel still in my chest. I still wanted to continue to serve. Um, the original game plan was to go, you know, ideally the special forces side of things, but physically that wasn't going to happen anymore. And I thought that, you know, the best place I could be an asset is in the police world. So, uh, like I said, I've been on the job like 14 years now and uh, I love it. You know, I'm still out there in the streets doing it. And uh, I feel truly fortunate being in this profession, having the tactical experience that I do have overseas, because I think um, one of the most important things we have is clarity of thought in a tactical moment, right? Is that like, if you've been there, 
and you've been shot at and you've had people killed and you've been under fire. And I said, like, even I know not to be that guy, but nothing will rock my boat. I said, because I was on the operating table, the bullet was still inside me and everyone knew I was going to die. And I said, I was fucking good. I was fine. I was calm. And I thought like, you know what, at the end of the day, like, if I don't make it, I don't have one regret with my life. And I approached the police world the same way. Like, I'm a true believer. I believe in the cause and not, and you know, and like not to say it and, you know, knock on wood, but it's like, if I get out in the street tomorrow and I catch a bullet, well then same thing. It is what it is. I believe in what I'm doing and I believe in the profession, what all of us are doing and um, no regrets. Someone has to step up and do this job. It gets harder by the day. They ask more for us. They give us less, there's less support, but who cares? Cause at the end of the day, like I love this damn country. And if we don't have brave men and women in uniform wearing the badge, enforcing laws, then they'll burn this damn country to the ground. I think a lot of people get down nowadays, atmospherically, what's going on. And I think the exact opposite. I think guys should be that much prouder, saying, like, you know what? Like, we are underappreciated. We're out there doing the job. But at the end of the day, we're still doing it because that's the way it's supposed to be, because we believe in it. We believe in making a difference, right? And if people support us, that's great. But if they don't, that's not going to deter, deter us from doing our job. We're going to go out there and we're going to do what we can to make a difference. I heard over and over again, like the passion and you're repeating, like, I love it. I fucking love it. But at a time, maybe in 14 years in the time of the country being in the position that it's in. And how do you, how do you look at it, ignore the noise and still show up with the passion that you do and love it? Maybe unpack that a little bit. I say to the guys like tune it out. It is what it is. You know what? We're going to get judged by people that could never do this job, right? That have unrealistic expectations. We've been sold out by the media. We've been sold out by the politicians. And you know what? At the end of the day, I truly believe we don't need their support, okay? They should want our support. And the fact of the matter is, like, no, it's it's all about going out there and getting after it, right? I said, like, once again, like, hey, I'm an old man, but the last gun arrest I was in was last night, right? And I served with some amazing cops and some of the sharpest dudes I know. But, like, no, there's more guns on the street than have ever been. And we're going to continue to go out there and make a difference, right? And it's it's like that has to be internal motivation. Just like I can tell you, same kind of perspective as far as like not knowing how to process things. I said like, man, we fought in Ramadi and, you know, we spent our existence kicking in doors and hunting high level operatives and we lost a lot of guys. And, and guys, were, hearts were broken when ISIS hung the ISIS battle flag over Ramadi, right? When like we pulled out and it friggin' fell and we lost, you know, some of the greatest warriors I've ever met in my entire life. But you know what? I said like at the end of the day, like, we were there to do the job. Like we fought for each other and we were there to make a difference in the moment, right? Well, same thing, like, hey, you know what? There's always gonna be crime, okay? There's always gonna be a peanut gallery and we're not always gonna be popular. If I wanted to be popular, I'd be a fucking firefighter, okay? But the fucking fact of the matter is this, like we gotta go out, we gotta do the job, we gotta be safe. And there's nothing more important than officer safety. Like I said, screw the outside noise. It's like, we have to come together that much more in the law enforcement community, right? We got to take care of each other because if we don't, who the fuck will? Recently, this just sparked in my brain. There was a radio call. It was a uh, Florida police officer who was shot in the head and they were responding. You're shaking your head. Yes, people can't see that on the podcast. And you heard the gentleman key up his mic and uh, you have heard a lot of things about the South and there being less brotherhood down there. And they're 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 kind of almost against each other at times. Not everybody. Yeah, you because know, when I say that when I'm there, they're like, that's not everybody here. But anyway, 
you heard that transmission. Essentially, what it sounds like is they he goes, ah, oh, well, there's a there's a there's a car. Can you find out what what unit is running hot in front of me? And they're like, oh, they had a uh, they had a shooting. They have an officer down in Southeast Miami or something like that, right? Some shit like that. And I don't mean to misquote it because I'm sure the person who was shot is is obviously in our hearts and our prayers. And then he said, well, they better slow down or they're going to have an officer down again. Like, who the fuck are you to say that? Number two, what was nice is Lieutenant came on the air and said, what was that unit? Then he keyed up and he said, yeah, they're probably going to continue to run hot. And if they're doing six, they should be doing 80. So, and I'm like, my mind, I'm like, why would you not say, how can I help? Right. Where is the brotherhood there? And also at the same time, as nuts as this sounds, like people make mistakes. Where was he failed? Where was the pain? Who has not trained him correctly to know how to behave appropriately? Do I think that dude needs to lose his job? I think it depends on what his reaction is when he gets sat down and talked to about what he did. If it was like, dude, I'm fucking sorry. Like, I realize it later on. I feel fucking awful. I shouldn't have said that. I'm fucking embarrassed. Right. I have compassion because I've done things, maybe not that, where I've said, like, man, I hope I get somebody to, to forgive me. But what's your thoughts on some stuff like that? I think it's complete lack of perspective, right? Like at the end of the day, like we're all in this together, people like it or not, right? Everyone knows some toxic fucking people in the profession. It is what it is, you know, and it's shameful. But like all of us that believe in the fucking cause and believe in the job and are out there doing the right thing, like we just got to push like the positive energy that much harder. And I hate to sound like that, but it's true. It's like, we have to we have to do everything we can to weed that out. Do I think there's more entitlement by the day? I do. And, and it, I'm not going to say we don't see it in the veteran community either. I always say like, hey, listen, I love everyone and thank you all for your service. But I think that some of these guys think they're the only one that ever served their fucking country. No one owes you anything, right? Well, you see the same thing. You get that sense of arrogant entitlement a lot of times with some of these guys and their little fiefdoms. Like, chill, the, chill out. We're all doing the same job. Guess what? Like, at the end of the day, that could be anybody backing you up. That could be anybody saving your life. And once again, like it's the same team. We got to get back on the same page. I know guys are pissed off and they're salty, especially because the last couple of years, the people shoveling dirt on our fucking graves. But once again, that means we have to come together that much more. It's, it's, it's not fucking okay. Everybody hears more and more shit like this by the day. It's same team, man. Same team. At the end of the day, like there are people that hate us just for wearing this fucking uniform. Okay. So the least you can do is grab your brother six. And to be honest, I think like guys have to stay more balanced. And I think that's important too, right? Is that I do think that like, if you don't stay balanced enough outside of the job, it can eat your fucking soul. And you see that guys get fucking salty and they get nasty and they get cynical and they, oh, look at this guy. Oh, yeah, like, uh, he's going to lose that in court, you know? And you say, like, I think, I tell guys, I said, like, I spent my existence doing, like, volunteer philanthropy work, hiking. I said, fucking anything. I will do anything to improve quality of life. Because I don't want to be that old, salty asshole that's talking shit when someone's going to an officer shot, right? Like, no, exactly. You shut your mouth, you do what you can to help, and you keep your comments to yourself. But I think that uh, we've got away from that because I think we've let these guys have way too much leeway because everyone's too worried about getting jammed up. Because I said, like, even the military is getting soft, softer. But, like, right, if, like, some trivial shit like that happened back in the day, someone got slapped in the mouth. Okay? You can't do that anymore. It's a softer generation. I get it. But at the end of the day, we have to keep pushing, like, that positive narrative that, like, 
We're on the same page. We're here to make a difference. And if you're not, I always say, right, you can join the army. You can join the military because you saw one too many war movies and they have you for your duration of your enlistment. But I'm so sick of listening to these guys cry because at the end of the day, if you don't want to do the job, get the fuck out. Get out. Get out. I told guys before, I said, I would rather scrub piss off the fucking floor at McDonald's than fucking come here and bitch every day. If you hate this job that much, if you hate other cops that much, if you're that much of a complete fucking cancer to the profession, get the fuck out and do anything. Because the fact of the matter is this, if you're going to come in and you're going to bitch every day, that's what you are. You're a little bitch because you've identified the issue and you're not going to do anything about it. So why don't you keep your fucking comments to yourself, shut the fuck up, go get a job anywhere else, and we don't have to listen to it. And maybe we can get someone in that fucking position that might make a difference, that believes in doing the fucking job. You are speaking to literally how I feel about uh, a lot of things and literally you just bring me back through my career of how... I really saw things. Here's a good question for you. How much do you believe in the brotherhood and sisterhood of law enforcement? And what does that mean to you? When we say brotherhood, I want to encompass our female police officers because you and I both know that there's some fucking phenomenal on both sides. I mean, I, I have met some, fu- I mean, I got a girl right now sending me messages on, on Facebook. She'll probably hear the, the podcast of her knocking down and like sending me body worn camera video of her stop last night. And like, I'm so fucking proud. You know what I mean? Um, so what does that mean when we say the brotherhood and that, that encompasses women too, but the brotherhood of, of being a cop? Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't believe it in any more, but what I truly think, and I spend my existence, you know, doing what I can behind the scenes, help people out in the jam. I'm, I'm the late night call. I'm the peer support guy. Right. Is, um, but it's like, it's just the way it's fucking supposed to be. Like, that's what everyone has to get through their head right? is like, we need to take care of each other. You need to do what you can, right? Like there is a courtesy there. There should be, right? But if you don't step up when it's your turn, when it's your time, when it's to help, when it's to go the extra mile, exactly. When it's to take pictures or swap patches or whatever, well, then that is going to break down. And you certainly see that, that I always say like the thin blue line's getting thinner by the day. That's a reality. Okay. So it's um, right. Like, no, we have to be in it together. Because this profession, especially nowadays, is a fucking pressure cooker, man. It's a pressure cooker, right? Like, if if we're not going to take care of each other, then what's the fucking point? The media, once again, shits on us. Politicians shit on us, right? Everybody in the street shits on us, right? So it's like, there has to be that sense of camaraderie because we're all riding this crazy fucked up ride together, right? Like, it is what it is. Like, your average accountant doesn't go to fucking work and think like, hey, man, I might not make it home tonight. And it's not being dramatic. It's just real. Okay, so it's like, yeah, the brother and sisterhood has to fucking exist because, like I said, if we don't take care of each other, who the fuck will? And the reality is, you've seen the last couple of years in this country, no one, no one pushing a bullshit narrative that isn't founded on fucking anything. And nobody's coming to save the fucking day while politicians stoke the fucking flames for political gain. So once again, yeah, like, yeah, it's the way it should be. But it's also we fucking need each other. Because no one fucking thinks it until they need fucking help, right? Until they need help, until they're the one on the other side, they need a fucking favor, they are in a fucking jam, and you want someone to step up. And like I said, I mean it. I, I spend my existence doing it, okay? And like I said, I always say, like, guys laugh. I said, like, 
I'm the fucking Ray Donovan of the fucking police world out here as far as like, okay, let's make a fucking move. Let's do this. Okay. You're having a hard time. Let's make fucking treatment. Let's get you in there. Right. And I said, I put hundreds of guys in fucking treatment. Like, let's just do it. And they said like, Hey man, thanks. Like, no, I said, it's just the way it's supposed to be. That's right. Right. Period. That's you know? Right. And I said like, at, you know, it comes down to like, you help the fucking next guy. When the next guy reaches out and he needs help, it's time to fucking step up. That's how it goes. It's all part of the fucking process. Not a hard concept. Just don't be a piece of shit. How about this one? Gentleman I know runs a company. He made a blue line patch slash sticker, but this blue line design, and it's literally perfect. Talk about it in class. So he's got a blue line patch, and in script above the blue line, it says, don't be a piece of shit. I don't know if there's ever been any more true definition of what the blue line actually means. It means don't be a piece of shit. And that doesn't mean like, I'm saying that means know what it means to be the cop that you would expect to have having your back. Emotionally, physically, with their behaviors and actions, don't be a piece of shit. And you just said it, bro. Deal, right? Like, at the end of the day, right? Like, you have to be able to look yourself in the fucking mirror. Right. And you have to fucking turn around and go by your own moral fucking compass. You know what's right and wrong. We all fucking do. We're held to a higher standard across the board. That's for sure. But you fucking do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Fucking period. It doesn't mean if it's by your battle buddies on the fucking job or on the street. We just become best friends. I think we fucking did just become best friends. Let's do this. Close enough in age, dude. Do you, you want to go to the garage and do some karate? Yeah, listen, I fucking am doing karate right now. They can't see it on the podcast, but I just fucking spin kicked this laptop over. um let's go into a little bit about what you're doing in the veteran community i do a little bit of everything i am the purple heart state service officer for massachusetts i am on the board of trustees for the soldiers home out here um and i am basically more often than not the the point of contact as far as getting veterans in crisis into treatment and um I always say, like, I go, you know, a few different routes. And I think that it's important, right? Because I said, um, there is world-class care out here. But, like, the biggest thing we have is getting these guys through the door. If we get them through the door, I know we can save their fucking life. But it's such a macho, alpha male culture in the military community, right? It's like, it's not easy for guys to get help. So I always say, like, I fucking purge my soul. I go, nobody ever wants to fucking talk about it. Once again, like... I was over and in it. I got fucking shot. We fucking lost guys. I fucking refused my medevac out of country. I continued to fight for fucking eight more months with a fucking hole in my chest that didn't close for six months because they said, uh, you need skin grafts. There's no granulation. It's going to get infected. You're going to fucking die. And I said, well, like, fuck it. Right. And I said, no tough talk because I always say, and I said, I still had a hard time coming home. Okay. Like I still had a fucking hard time and I had fucking nightmares and I had cold sweats. And like, my point is like, it's all part of the process though, right? And that like, just like in the police world, everyone thinks they're the only one struggling because no one ever fucking talks about it. So my point is this, like, hey, someone's got to fucking bridge the gap and someone's got to fucking turn around and purge their fucking soul and, and someone has to offer themselves up. They, and, and then so guys come to me and, they, and I walk them through it. Okay, you go through this and whatever. Um, and they're like, how do you know? I go, because it's all of us, just like in the police world, right? So like, stop overthinking it. Stop thinking about like PTSD or shell shock or whatever, because I think that like people get so worried about the stigma also very much in the law enforcement world. And it's like, no, man, you know what? It's all about this quality of fucking life. Okay. 
I'll fuck you. You want to make a move? We'll go. I'm come pick you up right now. I never even met fucking most of these people. I said, but you know what? Same thing. It's the way it's fucking supposed to be, right? Like the finish line didn't fucking end at the war. Like we're in it till the wheels fall off. It's the same in the fucking police world, right? Like you're either in it or you're not. You're on the team or you want, right? So like I said, I put like hundreds of guys in fucking treatment. And you know what? Um, it's just the way it's fucking supposed to be. But once again, like we owe it to the guys that fucking didn't make it, right? And life's too fucking short, man. You know, things could have went fucking different. And um, I started No Shave November for most of the departments out here in New England. I think it's like 150 departments or whatever. I started a handful of years back um, because, I, you know, for a couple of reasons. A, uh, I wanted to raise money to save the lives of our American heroes, right? Our, our fucking veterans struggling with PTSD and TBI because more of them are punching their ticket by the day, right? I think it's 114,000 veterans have died by suicide since 9-11. It's fucking outrageous. That, that would be the entire city of fucking Cambridge, right? Like that's the population. I started, you know, with my department and we raised like, I thought like, hey man, if we can raise fucking 7,000 the first year, we raised like 14, right? And like I said, it's been a handful of years now. And we've now raised think like 1.6 million dollars it's all directly to the home base program to fund program you know to fund treatment for these american heroes but it's also important right because i think like positive energy in the veteran community right like i mean in, in the police community getting these guys involved getting these departments involved right like getting them involved in something positive but also getting these chiefs the command staffs more comfortable especially because their departments are going to be predominantly prior service with guys getting treatment. I talk to him about it all the time. Hey, here's the deal, right? It's like, it's okay to get fucking help. So like, if this guy gets help, he should be in the same fucking unit when he gets back, right? Like, because the reality is this, I said like, it's all, once again, it's like, it's tactical fucking mileage. That's all it is. It's a long career. We all see a lot of fucking shit, but if you don't unpack it, well, it's cumulative, right? So you want to fucking put your guys in the best possible position. Just like, like I said, like these guys that have been over in it heavy, like, we fucking owe it to them. We owe it to them to fucking take care of them when they come home. And um, I'm going to keep pushing this and, you know, until I, you know, until I fucking tap out on this fucking life. Because like I said, I think it's the way it should be. If some American hero is going to go overseas and fight fucking terrorism for this country, I think the least we can do is make sure they don't take their lives on fucking American soil. You should, you should run for politics, bro. No, you know, it, it, to, to be real. And I said, like, I'm a true believer and I connect a lot of the guys behind the fucking scenes. But I said, um, and, and it, it's come up before and it's come up, you know, with some legit fucking power plays. And I said, like, me and you talking and I'm going to say it on here. I said, never. It never fucking happened. You know why? Because I said, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not a guy that will ever toe the line. And I've been offered some very legitimate positions politically in the fucking veteran community. And same thing. I said, uh, I, you know, hey, I respectfully decline. A, I love the fucking job. I'm out there fucking doing it. I'm a fucking cop. OK, I'm a I'm a cop to the fucking end. Right. But I need to be able to tell people to fuck off and not come back on anyone else. Right. At the end of the day, I need to own my fucking opinions. And someone was asking me this very recently about why I don't go in a particular direction. Like I said, on like some pretty high level political shit. And I said, um, you know why? Because my fucking personal opinion is this. I can do what I do in the veteran community and, and try and make a fucking difference. Right. I can do it to honor the guys that didn't make it. The fucking American heroes that we lost overseas, man, you know, some of the greatest men I ever met, or I could do it for fucking personal gain. But in my personal opinion, and to each his own, I don't think you can fucking do both, right? If I'm doing it just because it's the right thing to do, 
just because fucking once again i think that um you know we owe it to the fucking guys that didn't make it like american fucking heroes right or i can do it to line my fucking pockets and pat myself on the back well i don't need a fucking attaboy man and i'll never lose myself in that right you'll never lose your moral compass that's the only reason you're doing it because you're fucking hard in it but i think so many people and i've met some good politicians along the way i think so many of them go in with well you know with good intentions but then they get fucking power hungry, man, and they start drinking the fucking Kool-Aid and they become part of the fucking machine and they lose themselves. I never want to be that dude. I never want to be that fucking dude that I run into guys on the fucking job and they said, like, Kurt, what happened, man? Like, you were one of us. What the fuck happened? You know, I'll never fucking sell out, man. I'll do the right thing because it's the right thing to fucking do. And I don't want a goddamn thing for it, man. You know, because I said at the end of the day, like, the gratification of doing the fucking right thing, that in itself is the fucking payment. Let's go back a little bit. When you talk about, you know, the issues and the struggles that you dealt with coming back after being shot, and bro, I didn't say it before, like, when I say to people, thank you for your service, I hope they know that for me, when you hear it from me, I really mean that because I got to tell you, dude, I try to have compassion by putting myself in the position of somebody being deployed thousands and thousands of miles away to not see their family, not see their loved ones, miss out on life, to go sit in some of the shittiest, most deplorable conditions and some of those hectic things, giving your uh, life essentially or your mind and your mental life away for a cause that you believe in for the comfort of us here. So when I say thank you for your service, believe me, I really mean it because I never went. I I don't want to go. And I'm fucking thankful that People like you stepped up to the fucking plate. And I'm not saying I wouldn't go. That's just not the path that I took. For me, I was I had a goal of being a cop. I took the route that a lot of people didn't know existed. I went right for it because in New Jersey, you'd be 18 and be a cop. So I was fortunate enough to get sworn in when I was 19 years old. That's fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah I, have, I have reservations about that, too. Yeah. And, and, and there's goods and bads to it both, yeah. right? There, there's goods and bads. There's, you know, I don't think it's... I, I'm not going to go into that whole conversation of why I think 19 is crazy, but I also think it's good. Uh, if you're going to have like a sheltered 19-year-old cop, that would be the best bet. But I'm, I'm getting off these tears. Let me go back to this. When you speak about, you know, having great humility, and uh, that's what I hear when you talk, and, and how do you address vulnerability with these guys where you're saying to yourself, like, I know you could never be vulnerable your whole life. You guys got to be vulnerable enough to know that you can't control this mental health issue in your life. So be vulnerable enough to say, and put your pride aside to get the help that you need. Is that a big challenge? You know what? Like I kind of serving myself up first, guys are more receptive, right? But I always say like, no, you know, at the end of the day, no one ever feels worthy of help. They don't. I said like, you know, I fucking didn't because I didn't lose my legs. The guy that didn't lose his fucking, that lost his legs doesn't feel worthy because he fucking made it, right? So I tell guys, they'll say like, yeah, but Kurt, you got fucking shot, right? Like you were in fucking Ramadi. And I always say like, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a fucking good thing. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, okay, yeah, like this isn't a competition on who's more fucked up, right? Like who was in it fucking worse, right? And if it wasn't as bad, I know we can fix it. You know what I mean? Like, it's all good. Like, but I always tell guys like, no, we need to have the real conversations. I have no time for the fucking Rambo fucking stories. That doesn't fucking help anyone actually the exact fucking opposite the overcompensation bullshit bravado because once again guys think like hey how come he's good but i'm struggling right no like 
No, like real men, you grab your fucking balls, you have the real fucking conversations, and you do what you can to fucking get through it, right? Like, that's fucking courage. Like, I actually went through the fucking home-based program, right? And, like, being on the job and talking about it openly now, like, out here in fucking Boston, same thing. Like, quality of life, man, and, like, talking to a fucking doctor. And, like, I went through it and, um, you know, talking about survivor guilt and fucking coming home and, you know what I mean? Like, that, that shit is real, man. There's not a Purple Heart recipient in the fucking world that doesn't fucking say, like, why me? Why did I fucking make it and not feel worthy of it? That's real fucking shit. But when I went through the program, they said, you want to talk about it? And I said, no, and no fucking cop ever would. And that's exactly why I'll do it, right? Because I'm a vet. I'm a fucking cop. I'm going to go out there. I'm still going to do the fucking job. The guy's going to say, oh, he's he's still out there doing the fucking job. Like, he's not, you know, he's not riding a fucking desk. Like, it's the way it fucking should be. But, like. We all have to fucking be humble, right? And like guys always say, like I always give a line that like once again is like because like nobody feels worthy. I go like, yeah, well, like can we just all agree that we're all pieces of fucking shit in comparison to previous generations? Like there was a greatest generation. We're not fucking it, right? Those motherfuckers stormed the beaches of Normandy. And if we can agree on that and we're all on a fucking level playing field, then there's no fucking issue, right? Like I'm just going to be your tour guide through crazy. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to bring you out the other side, man. And once again, you can fucking help. And I think that's what it is, man, is like bringing yourself down to have these fucking conversations to say it's all right to talk about your feelings. And I think we have to do more of it in the police world. I'm not some fucking hippie, but at the end of the day, you can go some heavy fucking shit, man. And it should be all right for your partner to fucking be like, man, yeah, I'm having a fucking hard time with this. Like That was a tough scene tonight. Like. If you're listening, like everyone will have the opportunity. My personal take, based off of personal experience, is like instead of being a fucking asshole, and there's nothing wrong with breaking balls, we all do it. But like in the fucking moment when someone needs help, have enough balls to have the real fucking conversation and say, like, you know what? Yeah, I fucking get it. That was fucking tough. You know what I mean? And we see some horrific shit on the fucking job. And like we should be able to go to each other to fucking talk it out. Right. So it's all bringing it down to fucking, you know the floor fucking level and having real conversations. And I think in my opinion, like that's real fucking courage, man. That's real courage is like, we all need to fucking do that because at the end of the fucking day, man, I said like, anybody can listen to this and fucking judge me and say like, Oh yeah, that guy is on job talking about fucking nightmares, talking about survivor guilt. Like I don't give a fuck. I don't fucking care. Cause at the end of the day, that's the only way we're going to save the lives of our fucking American heroes by having real fucking conversations and pointing guys in the right direction. And I think um, the more we fucking do it, because there is a stigma for sure, the better it's going to be for the other guys down the fucking line. So like, step up, fucking do it. You know, don't take yourself too fucking seriously. It is what it is. None of us are that fucking cool. And uh, I, I think it's all right to be fucking human and to have a fucking hard time. And like I said, um, It's all part of the fucking process, man. And I think that the more guys and the more gals that I can bring to that side of things, the better off we're all going to fucking be. But once again, like we're all in this together, right? And it's crazy to me. I said, hey, listen, motherfucker, like you would have died for me overseas, but you can't pick up the phone and tell me you're having a fucking bad day. You, you You don't get that, you know? And when you kind of reframe things and kind of break it down to that level, like, they fucking get it, of course. Like, it's not even a fucking question, man. Like, when we were fucking down and in it, man, and we're saying, like, you can think of times you think, like, this is how it all ends. Well, then fuck it. We'll go out together. 
But once again, like that finish line doesn't stop overseas and that doesn't stop when you get out of your fucking district or you get out of your fucking squad car. Like it is what it is. Like we got to fucking stay the course. And I think that's, that's some of the heavier fucking shit, to be honest, because it's not like we're not losing fucking first responders and especially in the police community at an epic fucking level. It's about fucking support, like real fucking support. It's not just fucking backup. It's being there when someone needs to fucking talk and unpack some fucking shit. And move on with their goddamn life, man. What is different for veterans versus police officers when we talk about trauma? And the reason I asked this question, we had a lot of men and women who are associated with this organization and are honored and respected that said, after I was shot, I was sent to a veteran uh, veterans hospital or for a place where veterans typically go. And it's inherently different. And they just weren't understanding what I was saying because I'm not a veteran. They're probably very good for veterans. But for police officers, I didn't feel like they were speaking my language, which then prompted me and others to create a group called the Street Cop Survivors Club. And it's a Facebook group. Uh, survivors wouldn't ask if you're somebody who's dealing with a significant trauma, uh, endured something very, very physical or whatever. They're a very warm, open group where they're finding a lot of comfort and understanding with each other. A lot of really great friendships coming out of it where their therapy seems to be relying on one another to talk about their issues, but why do you think veterans and police officers differ in the kind of treatment that they need? It's uh, to be fucking honest. Like, I don't think it's different treatment wise in the grand scheme of things. It's about everyone gravitates to their fucking group. Right. So you got a picture. It's like, okay, veterans, they think like nobody fucking gets me. Nobody gets me except for the guys that are over in it. Well, cops think the same thing. Okay. Nobody gets the shit we're going through. Like, except for another fucking cop. Right. So I think that like, it's all about like, what is the most comfortable setting for you to have those conversations? And I think it's a hell of a lot easier because trauma is trauma, bullets are bullets, man. I always say to guys, and, and, and once again, like, thank you for your fucking service, man. I tell guys like, you still serve, you still serve. Like, it doesn't matter if it's overseas or here, right? Like still doing the fucking job. You're still doing what you can to fucking make this country a better fucking place, right? But it's like, a lot of cops don't want to sit in a room with some fucking Iraq or Afghanistan vet and talk about how bad their fucking shift was, right? Like, so it's just because once again, no one ever feels worthy of fucking help, okay? And it's normally a self-induced thing. But if you sit down with a group of your fucking peers or your fucking clique and you think like, okay, they can actually relate. They've went to these calls or whatever. That can get guys to drop their guard enough to be able to have these real conversations and say like, oh, okay. That guy's talking about something that I went through and that I fucking struggle with and I fucking get it. And it's good to know that I'm like not alone. I just think that like at the end of the day, like trauma is trauma and actually then deferring to the subject matter experts to how to work through that is the same. It's just the initial process of actually like accepting it and then moving forward. Because I always say like peer support is fucking important, right? Once again, I've said like preventative maintenance, it's, an, it's good, right? But at a certain fucking point when you have to unpack it, you gotta go to a fucking trained professional. Because I said, if me being able to fucking relate to someone, right? Like it can make a fucking difference. But I said, if that was all we fucking needed, well then everyone down the VFW would be cured, right? Like it is what it is. It's preventative fucking maintenance, but at a certain fucking point, it doesn't matter if it's trauma on the streets or trauma overseas, like trained medical professionals, like they're going to unfuck it the same way. It's just your comfort level of getting there. So I think that once again, like 
it's nice to actually be able to go to your specific fucking groups or whatever, your comfort zone, to be able to come out of your comfort zone and fucking share and be emotionally vulnerable enough to kind of fucking purge your soul. At the end of the day, like trauma's trauma, bad shit's bad shit, bullets still kill fucking regardless. So it's like whatever makes anyone comfortable, that's fucking great. I get it. You know, it's just it's all about doing what you can to bridge that fucking gap and come together to fucking move forward forward in a positive fucking direction. All right, here's my next question. When you do interviews with the press, how do you not curse? Uh, you know what? That's actually very funny. Uh, I, I did like uh, nine minutes live on uh, Boston 25 out here when I was doing a cross-country tour for Suicide Awareness. And uh, I had done a, a live stream video after climbing uh, Devil's Tower because I said the short version is I said, uh, there, I no rock climbing experience whatsoever, fucking don't know how to do it. I said, so I wanted to pick something that was fucking impossible and do it anyways, which I fucking did to show these guys like that are fucking struggling, like anything is possible when you decide that failure isn't a fucking option. Right. But there was like, so I'm live streaming Facebook, whatever. And like the fucking anchor that I was on 25 with after he was like, he was like, great video, but you said, fuck like nine times, you know, can you not oh, do it on live, live TV? Well, not the interview, the initial live stream on that. And I said, no, man, yeah, I can shut it off. You know, like it is what it is. Like I can cater my response. Same thing. Like, no, like, you know, you're my fucking people and the people listening, like, no, this is us. Like, this is the way we have to be real fucking conversations. Because I said, what I don't want is then anyone to ever listen to me. Right. Like when I'm trying to make a fucking difference, trying to make a point and be like, oh, that dude's full of shit. Right. Like it is, you have to be authentic. Right. But you have to cater your response to the environment that you're in. So it's like, yeah, can I get up and give a fucking speech or do a live interview without cursing? For sure. But I find that basically like, it's more impactful to be as real as you can based off of the parameters you have with the media. It's not a big deal, you know, but adjust accordingly. But I view this, right? Like the podcast we're having here, no different than a fucking conversation we'd be having in a cruiser. And same thing, if someone's listening to this and they can't handle it, like, I don't know what to tell you. This is fucking real life. It is what it is. You know, like we're real people. Cops fucking swear. We're real. We have to have fucking heavy conversations. And I, I'm not going to try and sound like a fucking scholar on here. Because I think that all that happens is you come off as, as, as fucking bullshit, right? And nobody has fucking time for that. And everyone knows it. I said, like, you meet a guy in the first 30 seconds, right? Like some there I was motherfucker. And you're like, fucking head fake, clown, is what it is. Once again, like, anyone listening, like, there's nothing fucking important about me. I always say, like, I'm just a big dummy that didn't duck that was too stupid to fucking die. But the fucking fact of the matter is, like, no one's ever going to think I'm anything but fucking real. Married kids? Uh, not married, no kids. And fucking, hopefully that stays that way. I love oh, kids. Shit. I love kids. I just want to be able to give them the fuck back. You know what I'm saying? So it is, you know. <laughs> All right. Here's my next question. Actually, the next question kind of makes more sense now, knowing that you're not married and don't have kids. Tell me about the picture behind you and who selected that and the position of it on your wall. <laughs> okay. So you know what? That is actually like a picture from the house I grew up in. And like, that's a fucking painting that was there. And um, it will also kind of bring things around where you fucking get it and not to be that dude. But it's like um, the reason I am so I can like really get through to these guys. And like I said, it comes around. It all makes sense is um, is that like not only was I through the storm as far as coming home from overseas. Right. And like going through the struggle, I said, but I actually, I lost my mother to suicide, wow. right? So I said, um, 
like not to be that dude asking about the painting but i said like man and not to be sappy but like no i put it up because it like reminds me of her and like the it's good awesome. times and like the house i grew up in and i think like that once again like that's important and to have those real fucking conversations and it gives me the ability to fucking talk to these guys and say like hey you know what i'll tell you what your family will fucking go through after I fucking lived it. And guys would be like, oh, I didn't fucking know. And I said, yeah, because there's no fucking pity party here, man. Life sucks sometimes. It is what it is. But we got to keep fucking moving. man. And um, I think that if I can do what I do in the veteran or police community and like spare any other family out there, the fucking heartache, not only am I fucking obligated to do so, it's an honor to do so. Yeah, because like that shit isn't easy, right? And like, you know, on some level, like pertaining to that, like my heart will always be fucking broken. I'm not going to fucking be too hard to fucking say that. You know, I said like, you know, hey, it was the one person I couldn't fucking save, right? But it's real life. Like I said, it's like, and it ca- and it happened when I came home from overseas, to be fucking honest. And uh, and not, in like I said, being real and being completely unguarded with this is like, no, like I said, I fucking, I'm over and in it. I fucking come home. We lose fucking American heroes. I'm fucking shot. I'm just trying to find my way in the civilian world. And like my mom's side of the family became growingly more anti-war by the day. And she told me how fucking awful of a fucking person I was for fighting in the war when I came home when I really could have just used some support. And she fucking killed herself on the 4th of July. And um, and I tell guys, right, like going through it and having real conversations. I go, okay, so going through this right like war is hard i'm filled with fucking survivor guilt because that's fucking real you know um life's a struggle i got 11 pieces of shrapnel i'm a guy that plans on going with special forces that's not going to fucking happen anymore and then my mom tells me i'm a fucking piece of shit fighting in the war and she fucking kills herself right so uh i said you know in that moment of fucking life okay i i have two options i can fucking feel bad for myself or i can say life sucks sometimes that's all right man the fuck up and fucking keep moving man because the guys that didn't make it would like to be alive just to have a bad fucking day right and i think we have to fucking remember that i tell these guys like we're warriors we're not fucking victims okay no one owes us anything you got to keep moving okay like yeah certainly fucking not everything in my life has been fucking great man but that's all right because you know what at the end of the day like you got to keep fucking moving and uh, i feel grateful to fucking not only fucking be on this ride but live in the greatest country in the fucking world man but like we're all gonna have ups and downs that's real shit there isn't anybody out there fucking listening that hasn't went through some fucking shit man so it's like life's too short to fucking feel bad for yourself you have to fucking go through some shit sometimes and keep fucking moving man and do what you can to make a fucking positive difference while you're fucking here man I think it's, you know, it's an easy fucking concept. It's hard for us to keep perspective at times, but you said it very clearly. You know, there are men and women who aren't even here anymore. Don't get to bitch complain or have a bad day. Well, and, and, and right, like they always say is like, we need to do what we can to like live a life worthy of their fucking sacrifice. Okay. So it's like, yeah, guess what? Freedom isn't fucking free. Okay. Once again, like there are brave men and women that have fucking died for this fucking country and in an all volunteer military, right? It's all, it's fucking perspective. That's it. Everyone says like, I'm always a happy dude, right? Because I said, I know what a fucking bad day is, man. I know what a fucking bad day is. I know it's going out in a fucking mission and not coming back with fucking everyone. Man. You know, even when I was fucking shot, 
I never, you know, and I never had a bad day with that. And the fucking Colonel says, and I tell you, I fucking refuse my medevac out, which you're not a fucking allowed to do. Cause everyone says, Oh, you're allowed to do that. No, you're fucking not. Right. But he said like, son, you're going to have to come to terms with what happened. So come to terms with what happened. I got shot by a fucking sniper. I'm alive. And he said like, I wish I had a hundred more guys like you. And I said like, cause it's fucking perspective, man. This is actually, uh, what I, you can't see it, you know, on the podcast, but I wear the bullet that was taken out of my chest. And I wear it every day because I said, you know, when I get out of the shower, it's a fucking reminder, like things could have went a hell of a lot differently. And like every day above ground is a good day. That's it. It's perspective. And I think we need to find that perspective a hell of a lot more in the profession. Because I think like there's a whole lot of us that have just got, especially the last couple of years, submerged in the negative energy, right? And that just bitch about the fucking nonsense, man. You know, I'm sure this guy's listening right now and being like, yeah, fuck you. What do you know? Right. Like, but it's, it's, it's for your own good. It's for your own fucking good to move in a positive direction and not sweat the small stuff and not sweat things that are beyond your control. You got these guys in the fucking law enforcement battling out on the internet with these fucking crazy libs. And I said, like, it's not even worth the energy because I said, when are these motherfuckers ever going to be like, you know what? You got a point. Or, Oh, I was not aware of those crime statistics. You know what? I have a completely different fucking view, right? Yeah, that's, so why, like, that's why pandering doesn't work. So it, it, it hold your it. position, keep your fucking position, hold it, stand up for what you believe in. And guess what? The people that believe in the same thing you believe are going to stand right behind you. And they'll be thankful that somebody actually opened their fucking mouth. You pander, you, you've lost respect. What do you stand for if you don't stand at all? For, it, listen, and, and, and that's it, right? Like at the end of the day, once again, like I said earlier, like you got to look yourself in the fucking mirror, man. It is what it is. You know, like at the end of the day, like if you're in this profession for an attaboy, you're never going to motherfucking get it. Right. But you got to fucking do it and you got to stand your fucking ground because at the end of the fucking day, when you look back at your fucking career, you want to say like, no, man, I fucking I did it because I believed in fucking doing it and making a fucking difference. And if anyone didn't get it, that's on them. But I'd never want to think that I fucking sold out my fucking brothers and sisters like some of these fucking people have across the goddamn country, right? Just to what, get likes on social media? Well, you know what, dude, if that's if that's what we can buy your soul for, well then like, that's truly indicative of your fucking character. And that certainly is not true fucking leadership. It is what it is. Just because some of these guys have stars on their fucking shoulders doesn't mean they can lead a fucking goddamn thing, okay? And the guys that are out there doing the fucking job, still fucking grinding, regardless of the atmospheric fucking pressure, still doing the fucking job, still ripping guns like, no, those are the guys I fucking respect, man. Once again, like in the unit, some of the best cops I ever met. Didn't miss a fucking beat through all this. Saying like, oh, it is what it is. Okay, they're fucking, everyone's up our fucking ass and stoking the flames. But that's fine because we're still going to do the fucking job, right? Because someone's got to fucking do it. Let these other motherfuckers pander. Let them do what they're going to do. But at the end of the fucking day, they're a fucking joke and everybody fucking knows it, right? These guys that fucking decided to fucking sell out and do what they do and fucking pander, like, it's on you, man. But you know what? Like, you're going to look back at this one day and realize you fucked up off of some trivial fucking bullshit when you could have fucking taken a fucking stand and grabbed your fucking balls and fucking stood up your fucking guys or move fucking forward instead. No, you conceded, man. That's fucking, that's fine. That's on you. I, you know, the rest Dude, of us reputations are hard things to shake, brother. You know what I mean? The reputations are hard things to shake. You get a reputation. Uh, you better, you better look. I, and, and, apologies is one thing, right? You make a mistake. Like I'm a human being. And obviously uh, now the law enforcement community, I have a lot of support. Uh, I made a mistake. 
but I'm going to, and I'll ask for an apology if I make a mistake. Uh, I'll ask for forgiveness if I make a mistake, but I'll never trade in what I fucking believe in, right? A mistake and a complete position change are two fucking very different things. I may say something I shouldn't say or have represented uh, incorrectly at some moment, which will happen inevitably. Uh, but I'm hoping people have the trust and the faith to believe that like that wasn't something that I made a conscious decision to change my complete position. It's uh, fucked up. I'm human. Right? I'm trying to do my best I can for everybody here. But I'm going to fuck up. It's just how it goes. So if you can understand that I'm going to fuck up, but I'm trying my best. Well, then we're going to be good. I'll have your back. You'll have my back. That's what it's all about, you know? And I, but I think in with dealing with leaders, like we have to have the balls to fucking turn around and be like, and own it, own it when we fucked up. You know, one of my bosses is like, Hey, Kurt, what the fuck? You're like, Oh, you know what? You're right. I fucked up, you know? And, uh, and I think that's fucking important because at the end of the day, like there's nothing more important than fucking integrity, dude. It is what it is. You might not like my answer, but I'm going to be fucking honest, you know? Hey bro. Um, you know, I always tell people like, the first time you backstab a motherfucker, you're a rat for life, right? I'm not talking about not reporting something that should have been wrong. I'm saying I'm talking about when you had an opportunity because they dangled a carrot in front of you to either do the right thing or do something that was selfish for yourself. And you opted to do something for yourself and kick somebody in the back when they weren't looking to try to get yourself ahead. You can't shake that. And you can't, maybe you got promoted on some shit like that. And people pretend like they like you, but motherfucker we're all human beings people know what you did and you can't escape you got to wear that fucking coat for the rest of your life until you want to acknowledge it and apologize for it and do something to try to fix it i've watched people through the 21 plus years of that i've been associated with this profession and in this profession trade their souls and good guys who the carrot dangled and they fucking jumped and bit and there's no coming back dude and they've just that's who they are now i'm this guy and I know I was a good dude before, but now I'm a piece of shit. I'm just sticking to it. Like, we'll take you back on the good side. Just show up and apologize for what you did. Yeah, but it's right. Once again, it's greater good or personal gain. And that's it. That's why, like, the best fucking leaders out there, right, are still real dudes, capable of real conversations, right? Because I always say, like, if you have to tell people you're the fucking boss, you're not the fucking boss. And you see, you know, you see a guy that will jump up in rank, then all of a sudden it's all real. It is what it is. You know what I mean? You're like. You can live your life that way, but like, that's the fucking, that's, that's not leadership, man. That's not fucking leadership. I had a guy one time, he told me after class, he goes, you know, I, uh, I've been chasing down lieutenant's bars for so long. And, um, I've decided today that I'm just happy being a sergeant and that I need to do more focus on actually doing this job and being there for my men and women than me trying to go to the next fucking level. Because if it happens, it happens, but that's not where my focus is anymore. And I went, I think you got it. I think you figured it out. Yeah, because it's a it's a great perspective for sure. It, I, I think that people should want to move ahead. I wanted to be a supervisor, but I'm telling you, I didn't want it for the fucking 12% pay raise. I wanted it because I wanted to be there for the people that worked. I just thought I could do better, right? I could just, if I could do something and do something better for these men and women and really, but I wanted to be the example of what a supervisor should be. And guys will ask me, I'm getting promoted. What do you think I should do? I go, when you can understand that being the sergeant or being the lieutenant is now a different job, not saying the police work side of it, you know, still be a cop, but it means that you come in and no longer think about yourself. That's not what it's about anymore. And it doesn't take much to say, okay, John got this leaky bag of shit as the sergeant. I can go have fucking soup and a cup of coffee and hang out for three hours at the fucking diner or restaurant or wherever. Or I can actually go back to headquarters, sit down with this dude and work as his partner, 
knocking out all the fucking paperwork to get this guy back on the road or release from this leaky bag of shit. Come in, type the complaints, do the report, do the evidence for the guy, do the processing for the guy. You want to be a respected leader? Get your hands fucking dirty with everybody else when you can. What are we, what have we forgotten about? What have we forgotten about what it means to get involved when you need to be involved as a cop? It's fucking nuts. Oh, it's, you, I, bro, you're not working today. Yes, I am. I'm fucking working. I got badge on. It, but it's back to the perspective of we got to get back to the teamwork side of things. And I said, like, I've been fortunate to, to have some fucking great bosses for sure, man, that, uh, you know, didn't forget where they came from. And it, it's important. But like, we all got to get back on the same fucking page, you know, and uh, and there's certainly a lot of guys that get it. But it is. It's like you make a fucking difference when you fucking can't. You know, I was that was on a like I said, I was on a fucking gun arrest last night in fucking South Boston. Then there was a supervisor that was out for a fucking run and heard that there was, a you know, you know, calling for fucking citywide fucking units because it's like 40 gang members out there. And he fucking ran there. He ran there like in shorts and the T-shirt, man, like just just to fucking help. And the same thing. He said, oh, I heard something was going on over here. So I ran over, you know, and he said, like, yes, thank you. You know, like it is what it is. Like you do what you can to fucking help. We're all in it together. Let's move forward in, a, in a, a positive direction. At the end of the day, like there's nothing more important than officer safety. My old partner, who's now an instructor here exclusively, I just heard him walk through the door and it's funny. He's like, bro, you um, you changed my perspective on this whole fucking, you're being a great cop. He's like, I just, the enthusiasm you instilled in me. We should bring him in. Hold on a second. Watch this. This is Kurt Power. Hey, how you doing? Hey, nice to meet you. Tell me about like what you went through and then when you met me and how that changed things. Like this is not about like pumping me, this is just justifying what I'm saying. I don't, I'm not making this stuff up to impress the fucking street cop training fan base. Here's the guy who actually was my fucking partner. Uh, but tell me about the first night. Tell me about like what it changed and you like how you had a career after that. Oh, uh, it's it's completely different because you you guys are good people. They were good people, but they weren't proactive at all. There was no program when I got there, so it was like, hey, you're going out with this guy, and you're like, okay, um, here's that. We'll do all the paperwork, the papers I never saw again ever. And then we went out and it was like, here, we're going to get in this car. We're going to get drugs. We're going to get stuff. Out, you know, we're going to make arrests. And I'm like, whoa, this is totally different. And then was it the first night we got in the chase? Mm-hmm. Was it the first night? First night so the first night we rode together, I got in the first chase. We had these tones go off to let us know something big was coming in, like a car's coming up. And I, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, get back in the car. We got into a 22 minute pursuit up in Newark. And uh, yeah. Can yeah. I just say that uh, Grogan told the story just tremendously bad? Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, like, like he literally, how did he just tell like one of the best stories I tell? And this motherfucker jumps on here and literally tells the mo- he tells it in 14 seconds. Yeah, there's a chase. Tones came out. Bro, I told him the first time, like, yo, I'm gonna fucking get you into a pursuit. I promise. And the first night he was with me, tones did come out. They had a car that just burglarized like three or four jewelry stores. It was stolen. And I'm like, get in a fucking car. He's like, what? He's like, hold, carrying a shotgun and walking back into the AED. I'm like, get in a fucking car, dude. Just throw in the trunk. Who gives it? Don't put it in the fucking rack. Just throw in a goddamn trunk. He's like, you serious? That's not the proto. I'm like, go in the fucking trunk. We turn around. We ended up getting this crazy pursuit. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. But I think something you said to me a while later on is like that you just thought you're going to be some bullshit cop, right? Like after field training? Because there was nothing. There was no one told, taught you how to do interdiction. I went to a class on interdiction. I thought I thought that was a new word. That was like, do, is everyone else aware of this? That they have like classes on this? It wasn't something that was brought up. There was very little proactivity between you, Mitch, a couple other people. That was about it. And and dude, like, what was your what was the perspective change for you as a as a cop after working with guys like me and Mitch? Oh, it was just you go out and you could actually do work and, and be a cop. 
what, what you think that cops do. So when you're a kid and you're like, oh, no, I want the cops to come after me because you'd expect that to be what what it was. It just proves a point, dude. And I think that like once he got perspective from somebody who actually gave him good training, he probably fell into place of what he truly believed police work to be. And you had shitty field training, right? It was, there, there wasn't even a program. It was just here. Go with go with this. Like, what are we going to do? And like, oh, here you go get coffee and go sit there. And I'm like, what? I, I remember I wanted to stop something. There's there's a burglary in progress. Whoa, whoa, slow down. What do you mean slow down? We'll go burglary in progress. Insane. Yeah, I know, dude. Insane. I fucking know. I fucking know, dude. I remember I was there. no but that's why it's so important on this job to like surround yourself with motivated people and like that positive energy and perspective of guys that want to go out and be productive and i said like that's why i'm so thankful to be in the unit i'm in where there's so many hungry cops out there to make a fucking difference to hunt every day and um and that shit's contagious just like the toxic bullshit is contagious when you're dealing with bad people or a bad area you know what i mean so it's um you know, at the end of the day, right? Like we got to keep fucking pushing that motivation and pushing guys in the right direction to uh, keep doing the fucking job and to know that like, Hey man, you know what? Like I'm right with this motherfucker, like shit goes sideways. He's fucking down, right? Like he's in it for the long haul. And I think um, that's the way it fucking should be. But like, it's easier to fucking do nothing. Let's be honest. It fucking is. You know, what kind of career do you want to have? Do you want to be a fucking do nothing? Or do you want to be someone out there making a fucking difference? And I think that fucking all of us that do want to go out there and make a fucking difference and and take guns off the street and fucking lock up bad guys, well, then we can appreciate the other people that have that same fucking mentality that much fucking more, man. And hopefully we can instill that into more of these young men and women that are coming out of the fucking police academy to make a fucking difference over the period of their fucking career to get out there and fucking get after it. Well, listen, dude, this is great. We'll do it again. I fucking love you. You're the man. What do you want to promote? You know what? I I don't want to fucking promote anything more than motherfucking officer safety. And you, you know, there's not, like I said, nothing special about me. There's nothing fucking exciting about me, but like any of you guys listening, like feel free to follow me on social media. I'm I'm the unoriginal at Kurt J power on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I, and I just mean it honestly from like a, a fucking networking standpoint that if any of you guys are out here and you fucking need anything, feel free to hit me up because once again, like we talked about, that's the way it's fucking supposed to be. What's the, the veterans organization too? Uh, the home-based program that, 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 and um, you know, departments that want to get involved uh, home-based no shave is the fundraiser that we do. And it's a hundred dollars per cop. You grow a fucking beard for the month to help spread a fucking awareness and raise money to save the lives of our American heroes, man. You know, anybody that, that wants to get on board, you're more than fucking welcome. And, um, and really, like I said, it's truly an honor to be here. I couldn't appreciate what you guys do anymore and letting people know, like, Hey, listen, man, this is still an honorable, honorable profession, man. Like, and it's an honor to be a fucking cop and, uh, do what we do. And once again, like we got to fucking stick together. Listen, dude, it was fucking savage meeting you. And, uh, you got to get down to the fucking conference or, one of the classes when I come up to Boston, bro, and hang, hang out, take the shit. It's really fucking good. Yeah, no, certainly looking forward to it. And if you need someone to teach like fucking coloring or fucking bad <laughs> white guy dancing or any of that, like I'm not a criminal constitutional law fucking subject matter expert, but, uh, you know, once again, I can rock a mean fucking robot, you know? Appreciate you being here, dude. And it was, uh, it was actually a lot of fun. And sometimes, you know, the, you get these great podcast episodes of most unexpected people, you know, and then sometimes you think you're going to get these great episodes out of people you expect to have great episodes and it's not. So this is fucking real fun to do. 
living the dream, motherfuckers. You guys have an amazing day. Thank you for everything. God bless America. Hey guys, don't forget to check out the Street Cop Training Conference 2023, April 23rd through the 28th, Nashville, Tennessee, the Gaylord at Opry. What a center, what a place. We have amazing speakers, amazing training, five of the most impactful days of your career. Check it out at streetcop.com. You do not want to miss out. There is a room code available for a discounted room. Sign up now at streetcop.com.